0: 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the price, so run that ye may obtain. Every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest I be any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Let us pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, as we bow before you today, I just want to say thank you for your presence with us. Thank you, Lord, for the songs uh, uh, that reminded us of your soon return. Maybe today will be the day. Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to be ready. I pray that everyone saved, and not only saved, but living for you and serving you. Lord, I pray would be challenged and helped today. Help me, O oh God, to bring the message in a way that will honor and please you. I pray that you'd give wisdom and power, and I pray you'd meet the need of each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how many has been watching the Olympics? Let's see your hands. Be hard to turn TV on, not see something about it. Uh, I want to talk about Christian Olympics today. Christian Olympics. The Olympics that we're having in Atlanta are really not Christian Olympics. There may be Christians participating, but uh, the game itself, anyway, does not have that history. The first recorded Olympic race was held in 776 B.C. uh, in Olympia, Greece. They were originally started to honor Zeus King of the Greek gods. There was a a temple, a magnificent temple and image uh, to this false god, this Zeus. Uh, They originally started with the foot races and added other games later. Games were abolished in A.D. 394 uh, by the Roman emperor Theodosius. And for 1,500 years, they didn't have the games and they... It was started again in 1896 by a Frenchman, I don't know whether I can pronounce his name or not, Baron Pierre de Coubertin, something like that. And uh, he started uh, uh, these games 100 years ago in Athens, Greece, near where they originated there. Eight nations participated. This year, I believe 197 nations are participating in the games. This is uh, quite remarkable. Now, in those days, those early days, the victor uh, received a crown made of wild olive leaves and uh, branches there uh, that was taken from this tree behind the temple of Zeus, this false god. And so that's a little bit of the history uh, of uh, the Olympic Games. Now, they were uh, held, of course, uh, in, the, uh, in the days of uh, the Apostle Paul because that's what he's talking about. He said, they that run in a race run all. And this uh, letter is addressed here to the Corinthians. Uh, so he is reminding them and using the Olympic Games uh, to teach spiritual truth. That's what I like to do. Uh, today by the help of the Lord. Uh, Christian Olympics. You know, uh, we are in a race also uh, that is far more important than the Olympic races or whatever uh, they're they competing in. It's far more important than all the games, the, the physical activity and the preparation that goes into it. First thing I'd like for us to look at is the call. Uh, what motivates these athletes? You know, uh, it's kind of amazing the physical strength and stamina uh, that, uh, that they have. Uh, they were having a race this morning, uh, and uh, some, some of the, the ladies there from different countries uh, were, were running 26 mile. Can you imagine that? I'd have a problem 26 feet probably. But uh, that's hard for me to comprehend. Running 26 mile without stopping, and I think they were running these miles in somewhat over five minutes. That's pretty good movement. If you run one mile and quit, uh, 26 mile. Uh, the conditioning, uh, the motivation, representing their country, and and uh, all that goes into into. Uh, getting a person ready. Of course, they have to have a certain natural ability. Uh, but then the, the months and years, uh, many times of, of preparation to get a gold medal and the recognition and all that goes with it. What is their cause? Uh, we have a cause also in verse 23. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker of with you, the Apostle Paul, he said, "I uh, to the Jew I became a Jew, and to the weak I became weak. And why do I do this? He said, I've got a cause. I'm doing it for the gospel's sake. He said, I've got my eyes on eternity. And that's what we ought to do. Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. There in Hebrews 11, he talks about it. And this cause, this motivation, we find in 1 Samuel 17, 29, as David goes up there to check on the the battle and his brothers there are with Saul, King Saul in the battle against Goliath, against the Philistines. Goliath would come out every day and mock uh, the God of Israel. Give me a man. And uh, if I defeat him, then you'll be our servants. And if he defeats me, then we'll be your servants. Morning and evening, he would come out. David goes down to check and see how the battle's going. And he finds the Israelites hiding and scared and afraid. And uh, he questions this. And his brother speaks pretty harshly to him. And David answers, what have I done? Is there not a cult? He said, don't we have a cause worth fighting for? What's all this about? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he can defy the armies of the living God? Is there not a cause? I want to say we've got the greatest cause in the world. A greater cause than all the Olympics that's ever been held. He said, I do it for the gospel's sake. I'm working for eternity. And we ought to be motivated by that. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians four sixteen, for which cause we feign not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. He said the old body is wearing out. But he says, I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. We're not, I'm not feigning. Because we have, as the songs were sung, we have something to look forward to. And we have a glorious future. We have a cause. That's what I'm saying. Paul writes in Romans 1:14 and 15, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are Rome also. And if you study the history of how he arrived at Rome, it wasn't a very pleasant journey. He, was a, he went there as a prisoner. He endured shipwreck and, and snakebite and, and all these things that happened to him. But he arrived at Rome with the gospel because he had a cause uh, worth fighting for. He had a cause worth suffering for. He had something he had something to look forward to more than, uh, than a crown of, of, of leaves, of olive leaves, or more than a, than a gold medal hung around your neck. He said, I've got a cause, and I'm a debtor, so I'm ready to preach. In 1 Timothy 1, 11, according to the glorious gospel of a blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And then in verse 16 and 17, uh, here in First Corinthians 9, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe well is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For I do, if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation the gospel is committed unto me. He said, I've got a call of God. I have a cause to, to fight for her. If I do it well, if I do it with the right attitude and the right purpose, I get a reward. But if not, I've still got to preach. I've still got to do it because he had a cause. And these Olympians, you know, uh, uh, they 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 have a cause in their mind worth preparing for and worth working for. And uh, and but we have a greater cause. Then not only that, but I want you to look at the charge verse twenty-four. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? But one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. In that day, he said, one wins the battle. Evidently, they didn't have second and third place. I mean, you either won or lost. If you didn't win, you lost. And uh, uh, that gold medal, you know, that's the thing everybody wants. And uh, they talk about the silver medal. Well, that'd be, that'd be something, wouldn't it? But I'll tell you, that's second place. Nobody wants to be second place nobody wants to be behind kind of like it is out on the highway you know uh, people uh, don't have any manners at all you know if uh, if a man's a gentleman he'll open the door for a young lady but out on the highway all oh, that's out you know get out of my way here i come <laughs> but uh uh first place first place the charge he said uh, so run that you may obtain. Everybody's running. Everybody's running to win, but only one's going to win it. So run that you may obtain the charge that we have. We need to keep our eyes focused on the prize. Why don't you look at Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12, if you would please. Hebrews chapter 12, and the first two verses of Hebrews 12, page 1303. Now chapter 11. He deals with these great heroes of the faith. He gives them a history lesson and talks about these great men of faith and these, uh, these winners, if you please. In God's eyes, they may not have been winners in the eyes of men, but they were in the eyes of God. And verse 12, uh, verse 1 of chapter 12 of Hebrews, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, referring back to those in chapter 11, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He said, let's lay aside every weight. I heard this week that uh, they were talking about, I think, the, the, those that were running, uh, uh, you know, that uh, uh, the clothing they had on only weighed a few ounces. Uh, they don't want anything to weight them down. They want to get rid of everything. Some of them have very short hair and, and all these things. And, and they go to, to all this effort to try to win. The Bible says here, let's lay aside every weight looking unto Jesus. That's the charge. Focus on the prize. Keep our eyes on him. And that's what we need to be doing. And uh, uh, he came out victorious. In Philippians chapter 2, there's a couple of verses I want us to look at in Philippians chapter 2. And uh, verse uh, 15 and 16. Philippians two, fifteen and 16, page 1259. Philippians 2. That you may be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. I saw something here I've never seen. Verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless. Verse 16, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. This tells me that what they done affected how Paul's going to come out. That's why I want to preach and encourage you and and help you uh, to serve God and live for God and these fellows encourage you to come to Sunday school. I'd echo that have in the past. And uh, because... Uh, you know, we're, we're affected by it. Paul said, I want you to do these things because that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I've not run in vain or labored in vain, that my ministry, my gospel hasn't been wasted. I've seen some fruit. Sometimes you preach a message and you go away and you wonder if it, if it had any effect at all. Probably those that teach the Sunday school have similar feelings. Uh, you know, I like to see results. I like to see the Word of God affect people. And, uh, and it will affect us all for a long, long time. Uh, so uh, we have, we, Paul had that charge, and we have that charge. Philippians three fourteen. he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm not, I'm not finished with the race. I've not won the prize. The race is still going on. But I press toward the mark. I've got my eyes on the finish line. And uh, that's, that's what we ought to be. Uh, we ought to have our eyes on the finish line and the prize so run that you may obtain. We ought to want the gold medal. You know that? I'm talking about heaven. And, and there's going to be different rewards. We ought to be satisfied second peace. I've had people say, well, if I just get in, that's all that I care about. Well, I want to tell you something. It's not going to be that way when they get there. They're saved. Uh, it's not going. We're not going to be. We're not going to be satisfied and content. Well, I made it. I got in. That's all I cared about was just getting in. Uh, we know better than that. We're not satisfied. We're not satisfied here like that. What makes us think that we'd be content there just to barely squeeze in? That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches: we're to be after the goal. We're to be after the, the to win the prize. We want to be first place. I press toward the mark for the prize. Uh, there he said of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now in order for that to happen, there is to be control. Verse 25, and every man that striveth for the master is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a incorruptible crown, but we in incorruptible. They were talking about these, these ladies running 26 miles, and they had these... Uh, uh, water bottles, as they was running, they'd reach out and grab one and drink, uh, you know, drink that drink, keep right on the running. And they had the special markings on it because that water was, was specially designed for them. I mean, it had s- uh, special additives, I guess, and minerals and vitamins and, and so forth to, to give them that endurance that they needed. Uh, the, the training and The preparation and all that goes into to being an athlete and being able to say, I'm the best in the world. hundred and ninety-seven nations participated. Of course, all of them don't participate in every sport, but, uh, but I'm the best. I'm, I've, I've won the race, and I'm the best of the race. Well, that don't happen overnight. If they didn't decide yesterday they was going to run that race or swim or whatever it is they were doing, uh, you know, they didn't decide a week ago. They didn't decide a year ago. They, they have them every four years, and some of them have competed in three or four Olympics. And they've been preparing for years, and sometimes they still don't win. But uh, the temperance here, every man that strive of the Master is temperate in all things. Now this word temperance speaks of self-control or self-discipline. Uh, if there's one thing that I observe that's missing in this generation, it's, there's not a whole lot of self-discipline. Uh, not much self-motivation. Temperance. You know, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. It's mentioned as one ingredient there in the fruit of the Spirit, temperance. The Spirit of God is the one that gives us that control. And uh, we ought to be willing to make any sacrifice for the cause of Christ. The fact of the matter is that, uh, that uh, you know, if a, lot of, a lot of church members, they don't take a lot of inconvenience to make them stay at home. We're not willing to make much sacrifice are We're not willing to discipline ourselves. We're not willing to, to have temperance and control. We don't know what suffering is. You know, God have mercy upon us. You read Fox's Book of Martyrs and the price they paid. You read about these early Christians and the price they paid and what we have to go through. You know, it ought to make us ashamed how the little things that uh, hinder us and keep us from serving God. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And Paul charges this young preacher here. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Some of you have been the, in the army or the uh, military, some, some uh, part of the military, and, uh, and they put you through it, don't they? You know? I don't care how much you fuss, I don't care how much you gripe and complain about it. Say, I'm going to call Mama. You're being hard on me. Endure harness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know why they put you through that? Because they're preparing you for war. And they ain't nothing fun about war. And, uh, and it's a terrible and, and, and a lot of pressure and so forth. But he said, Endure harness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we need to be strong. And what does it take to make us quit? So who was it? Bob Jones said, said you can judge the character of a person by what it takes to make them quit. What would it take to make you quit? I'm talking about quit the things of God, quit serving God, quit living for God. What would it take? Endure hardness. We're talk- still on the subject. We're talking about temperance. We're talking about self-control. We're talking about paying the price. And the dedication of these athletes put most Christians to shame. We live in a world when much of the world has not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. If, if God's people were half as dedicated as, as those Olympic athletes, uh, that would not be true. The gospel would, would have been all over the world at this time. But we had not got the job done because we're not willing to pay the price. We're not willing to sacrifice. We're not willing to be inconvenienced for the cause of Christ. He said, endure hardness. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. You know, there's rules to go by. Uh, You have to go by the rules, you know, to win. They were talking about, uh, I can't, was it 100-yard dash uh, uh, a few years ago, maybe it was the last Olympics, this Canadian won it. I think Canadian won this one, if I, if I remember right. And, and, uh, uh, but uh, he was not able to keep the medal because they found out he'd been using drugs, enhancing drugs and all. He didn't, he didn't play by the rules. He won the race, but he didn't play by the rules. There has to be control, I'm saying. Then all of that, verse 26, I therefore so, fi- so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth there. There has to be confidence or faith. You have to believe in what you're doing. You know, uh, these athletes, they prepare and they get ready and they discipline themselves and they, they have special diets and they prepare some of them several hours every day for years, day in and day out, day in and day out. They, they discipline themselves. But when it comes down to the to actual uh, the event there, they say a whole lot of it is mental. They have to believe that they can do it. And they have to, uh, you know, that last ounce of strength that they need there to win that, that event. Now, uh, the Bible says in Philippians 3 and verse 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, they, they have a lot of confidence in the flesh, but Paul said we don't have any. <laughs> we are not trusted this battle that we're in, this Christian Olympics that we're in. We can't depend on the flesh. We have to depend on the Lord. Now the Bible said in Proverbs 3, 26, For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Proverbs 14, 26, And the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. You know, you have to believe. And uh, without faith it is impossible uh, to believe God. Uh, Someone said, uh, If you believe you can, uh, then you can, or you're right. If you believe you can't, you're right. (laughs) You won't be able to. And so there has to be confidence. There must be confidence. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith. And that was the encouragement he gave to this young preacher. And in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. When he got ready to face eternity, when he got ready to have his head chopped up, he said, I've fought a good fight. Isn't that wonderful? to live your life when you come to the end of it. He said, I've done it. I've done what I set out to do. Just like that athlete. They train all these years and get ready for it, and then they win the race, and, and uh, they say, I've done it. I've won, I won the race. I've, I've done uh, what, uh, what I set out to do. Now, he said, he used this il- 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 illustration of running and fighting, so fight all not as one that beateth there. He's simply saying, I'm not out here fighting the beating there. I'm not shadow boxing. <laughs> I'm out here to land some blows. And that's a part of the Olympic events is, is the fighting. Now fighting in that day, of course, was, uh, was different than it is now. And, uh, they, and they have the headgear now and all this, and, and they don't mean to hurt uh, the, the opponent. Uh, they mean to land some blows, but they don't mean to kill them. But in that day... Uh, they fought with leather bands studded with pieces of metal. I mean, a lot of times it was a fight to the, to the death. They weren't playing around. They meant business. And uh, so he said, I, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I'm not just fighting to be out there fight. I'm fighting to get rid of my opponent. Yeah. And we have an enemy, don't we? You say, I don't, I don't want to fight. Well... I don't guess anyone does, and it comes down to it. But, uh, uh, you know, a man gets out there in the battlefield, and is killed or be killed, he'll kill. And they know that. Uh, so we have an enemy, and that enemy is Satan. And then there's a final point I want us to see in verse 27. But I keep under my body, and bring it into subjection, lest there be any means when I have preached to others. I myself should be a castaway. He not only had the devil as an enemy, but he had his old flesh as an enemy. He said, I keep myself in subjection. And uh, uh, this has to do with chastisement. You know, uh, to win a race. This, this word keep is an interesting word. He said, I keep under my body. Now, you read that and at first reading, it don't mean a whole lot. But it means, that he's still talking about this boxing match here. And it means to strike uh, strike one under the eye to beat black and blue. So it has a different meaning when you realize it like that. I keep under my body. I beat it black and blue. I give it a black eye, if you please. Uh, have you ever had a black eye? you ever given any black eyes? <laughs> I probably had more than I gave, I guess. Me and my brother used to fight. He was older than I was, so I had, you know, I got most of the black eyes. But, uh, uh, you know, you have the same word used there in, in Luke, uh, or at least a form of the word in Luke 18, 5. The Lord gives the parable about the unjust judge. And the widow uh, comes and said, Avenge me of my adversary, and he will not for a while, but afterward he... He does, and he said, lest by her continual coming she trouble me. And that word trouble up there uh, is the uh, same form of the word as keep here. And Basically he's saying she's going to beat me mentally, of course, she's going to aggravate me to death, <laughs> yeah. you know, if I don't do something. So therefore I'm going to do it. It has to do well, again with this matter of discipline the body and chastising the body and beating the body down in order to serve God. Uh, probably some of you had a had a battle this morning, you know. You woke up and and the rain was gently coming down on the roof. Boy, I'll tell you, uh, I like to sleep when it rains. <laughs> some people like to sleep when it don't rain. I'm making a difference. But... Uh, you know the temptation there to stay in the bed. It took some discipline, didn't it? it? It took some self-discipline to get up and get ready and come to church. But when we compare, in comparison, that's not much of a price, is it? He said, I bring in subjection, lest I be disapproved, lest I become a castaway, lest I get to the place that God can no longer use me. I'm out there to win. And that's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be it transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, you know, when we think of what Christ did for us, and what we do is not much in comparison, is it? I want to close with this story, if I could. You remember the story of Napoleon? Napoleon set out to conquer the world. And uh, history tells us that uh, Napoleon would uh, have an ivory throne carried with him as he went into these great uh, uh, military campaigns. And when he would conquer a city or, or uh, you know, an area, uh, he would uh, kill a lot or most of the people and repopulate it. And, but uh, he, would, he would have this throne, this, this magnificent throne set up. And he'd put on all, all his royal attire with all of his the, the crown, the scepter and the jewels and everything, and he had set down on that throne. Proclaim himself as king over that city or over that country. And uh, in doing this, uh, they conquered a, a city. But uh, this man and his wife and her mother had hidden. But they were discovered. And uh, they brought them before Napoleon as he had uh, ascended his throne there. And he asked the young man, Young man, what would you give for your life? He said, Sir, I'd give all that I had, All of that I have and the rest of my life in service to you." Then he asked the young man, young man, what would you give for the life of your young wife and her mother? And the young man answered, said, sir, for their life, I would gladly give my life. And Napoleon was so moved by his answer that uncharacteristically he allowed them to live. And as they walked away, history tells us, the story tells us that the mother-in-law turned to her daughter and said, did you see all those jewels? Did you see that throne? Did you see that crown? She said, no, mother. I didn't see any of it said, I only had eyes for the one who said he'd gladly lay down his life for me. That's who I saw. And that ought to be where our focus is and where our eyes are. The one who died for me. That's that's what ought to motivate us. That's what ought to keep us going. That's what ought to cause us to discipline ourselves and, and pay whatever price that we may win the prize that he has for us. Let's bow our heads, please.